welcome back to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and that fine gentleman across the world is... The Rump Guy. And on today's show, we have a very, very special guest. He is the one, the only, Big Smo. Rapper, country artist, extraordinary crossover artist, has been in the industry for quite a long time, has pioneered the sound of music, uh, uh, raising, raising a family, Man, are you ready for this? Yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I've been doing this for a long time, both raising kids and and rapping, and, you know, and doing it together. Like you know, I've been I've raised my children off of a off of a music industry, uh, you know, business that I created. We created, but you know, ourselves right here on our farm. Yeah, so, you know, we didn't when we got into this. 20 years ago we didn't have any connections we didn't have anybody in the industry we just me and the people that i were working with at the time uh we just were real passionate about music and real passionate about uh you know creativity and i I really loved writing and uh it just became something that was more or less our lifestyle than it was us trying to you know be in an industry we were just like oh this is our lifestyle we're rappers and we're musicians and we make you know songs about what we feel like talking about and then it just evolved into like once it became popular then it was like oh shit we can make a little money off this if we do you know put some cds out we we do some shows you know so there was like about 10 years of you know learning how to do that on our own and then once I got the attention of, you know, like record labels and management and agencies and fucking TV networks and all that stuff, like then it became a corporate business. You right. Know? So sure. I've watched this shit evolve from like just a daydream to a to a, you know, to a corporation that I run now. And it's it's crazy to think of where it started was just off of a you know, kind of like a hobby and a pastime and then to where now it's turned into, you know, this is, I've been able to raise children off of this and, you know, take care of my family, pay my bills and then uh, evolve from the person that I was into like a way better version of myself that I'm extremely happy with today. So it's been a hell of a journey. It feels like a great, you know, uh, I've put out 10, albums and a few Mm -hmm. like eps i got a couple more eps they're about to drop and then you know having a major record label deal being an independent artist having a tv show doing all you know all this stuff and just kind of and then writing it all in an autobiography of putting that out it kind of feels like a great place to like snip the cord and walk away yeah that's that new book you got out called uh, my life in a jar right yes yes yeah but well, I'm curious, what was, uh, and I'm sure you've been asked this question before, but maybe, maybe, maybe if I word it differently, maybe you'd think of it differently. <laughs> what was that, that spark? What was that thing that you were, I mean, where were you when this, this all hits you? Like, like this, okay, let's go back at that. You were, this is like 20 years ago, but a little bit before this, that uh-huh. moment where you were like, were you sitting around a fire with some buddies? What were you doing? I mean, was it, was it? just this came up and people went, Whoa, fuck, that was cool. Or how did this happen? Oh, uh, I think, yeah, I, I was, I was probably around nine or 10, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds crazy. You know, it's like, Oh, when I was a kid, I wanted to grow up and be a this. Well, I literally 
like at 10 and we have some old video uh, footage um, that they actually used some of the clips of it when doing the TV show. I was going to say it was on your show, wasn't it? I did, yeah, I did see some of that. I was 10 years old, I was already like rapping and filming myself rapping. And, you know, I, I was wearing uh, camouflage uh, <laughs> with aviator glasses and, you know, my dad's dog tags from where he was in the Navy. And, you know, I was shooting my own music videos in my bedroom in the 80s. That's awesome. Is- did it? Did anybody sit around and think, going, why is this country boy rapping? Oh, yeah. Everybody <laughs> thought it was real weird. You know, I went to a school where there was really, there were no uh, other ethnicities. It was uh, like a only white people school. It was so country and so, you know, like 1982. That's where I grew up, man. You know, there was like, there wasn't even any black people at the school that I went to for my entire, like, uh, elementary and middle school years. And then like Mm -hmm. about mid middle school, we, we had moved to a different location. Uh, I changed schools from that country school where there were no black people to like an inner city, still a small town, but like very inner city, small town where it was like 70% black. At oh. school, and I became a minority. Culture and, shock. Yeah, well, not really, because out in the country, I was more of like that inner city kid who loved hip hop that was stuck at this redneck school, and they, <laughs> they all looked at me like I was just kind of weird. You, you, know? you felt like, like the I'm, outsider there than you did at this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Like I was uh, during lunch. I remember we had lunch in like a theater type room at this elementary school. And I remember me and one of my buddies getting up on the stage and performing uh, fat boys Wipeout. Yes. Like oh, I remember fourth that. Fourth grade. That's you know, awesome. People were like, what is, you know, they were just like, Oh, he's weird, <laughs> but his, you know, he's not, he's not mentally challenged and his dad <laughs> is, a, is a good upstanding citizen. And his mother, you know, is the secretary for, so it's not like, I, uh, they were like, well, it's not like he's like a fucking weirdo. It's right. just he's a little different, you know? And that's kind of how I got I got looked at my entire childhood. So it was accepted. Like, even my parents, they didn't give a fuck. They were, they were like, well, he's weird, but, you know. He's still he's a good not kid. Failing. Yeah. Yeah. He, they were like, hey, he's not failing, you know, and he's having fun. He's out in the woods. He's shooting snakes. He's running around doing average shit, you know? And then I think what happened, what really happened, and you ask, what was that spark? Oddly enough, it was a spark indeed. Around the age of 14, I caught my first felony by blowing up mailboxes and a Pepsi machine. Oh, Jesus and, Christ. And in doing that little uh, vandalism, <laughs> I got in some trouble for the first time. You know, right. like, mm-hmm, yeah. I didn't grow up in the hood and I didn't have to struggle in the streets and all that as a kid or any of that. But I blew up some mailboxes and yeah, but- I got a felony when I was 14. And yeah. they they assigned me to a, like a therapist type shit while I was in school. And uh, that therapist encouraged me to write my feelings. Nice. Gotcha. And that was for the first time I was like, oh, okay, I can just write whatever I want. It's kind of like saying what you want without getting your mouth slapped. Right. You got gotcha. you. Cause you can't just walk into a room and tell your parents to go fuck them. So, right. you know, but, but you can write down how you feel, even if it's in like a fictional way, 
about like you know whatever your emotion is so yeah. i i was like pointed in the direction of writing down what i felt and then that kind of like turned into poetry poetry turned into lyrics lyrics uh-huh. turned into you know i i met this uh this kid this filipino kid who was a dj and uh we started working together uh in like nine in like 99 and in in 2002 we had put out our first album which was wow. my very first album country kitchen uh-huh. you know and then from there it just never stopped it was like once that first album came out like when we started actually i mean at first we were recording songs and putting that shit on cassette tapes yeah and passing them around <laughs> and playing them we there wasn't like there was no computers there were no software yeah these damn kids got it so much easier now man uh, oh it's oh it's like they don't have to do shit bro like, <laughs> dude i know coming coming up from uh and as a kid in, in the 80s and 90s dude and, and trying to do music and like you just trying to record something was a pain in the ass yeah it was tough like you had to really know how to do this shit <clears throat> so we had like an eight track tape recorder and nice. a little boss drum machine and you know we could kick out like uh, a kick snare hi-hat and a bass line and right that was it you know and then you could do like maybe three tracks of some you know a verse with a couple of dubs and an ad-lib and that was it that was a wrap but once we figured out how to do that it was like there was no turning back it was, right. it was like okay we we can do this now we just have to write this now we just have to make this then we record that we put that out and then copy paste copy paste copy paste uh-huh. you know and at first you know, I didn't know, you never know, like, what kind of artist you're going to be, you no, know. No, when not you, at right? all. You don't even know what kind of man you're really going to be at 20 and 21, right. 22. You don't, so, you don't know until you have to be. Yeah, you just don't know. You're just, yeah. you're just guessing. So, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to say. You know, I just, I had gotten involved, you know, after I got my little felony blowing shit up. And then I had an older brother that around the same time a couple years earlier had introduced me into smoking marijuana and you know I, I became real into like you know smoking pot at a young age listening to rap music uh you know experimenting with some psychedelics and then starting to make music and produce my own shit but so by the time we put out our first album like i was already kind of a trippy person trying to find myself as a human and at the same time, trying to figure out, like, okay, how do I express myself as an artist? Is this even me? Like, am I doing something? I'm just fucking around. You know, it, like, right. you just don't right. know. So, kind of like, feeling it my, out. My name, you know, I got stuck with my nickname from when I was like 12, 13 yeah, I was gonna, years old. I was going to ask you, man. I, I did read that it, you know, it kind of came from your friends, but what, why? What, what was that nickname from? Did it you... came from my brother. Oh, actually. okay. He was nicknamed Shmo. All right. So it was Shmo and Shmo Smith. Nice. That was our that was our our nicknames. And Man. he got his nickname from a di- for a different reason. I think it was, it was <laughs> definitely drug related. But like you know, his friends called him Shmo. That was his nickname. Gotcha. And then they called me like Lil Shmo, and that shit didn't fly. So then they called me Schmo. So Schmo and Schmo. And then I got stuck with that shit. Like, you don't know at 12 that, like, what these motherfuckers call you. You're going right. to wind up build, building an entire, you know, 
your, a career and company off of it, man. Yeah, yeah, everything, like all this shit off of this, you know, off this name. So that's funny. You know, it's just it's crazy, man. It's it's so crazy that you got to sit back, think about it, and like write this shit down in a yeah. book. Yeah, uh, yeah, man. But, definitely, definitely, and I definitely want to. I, I need to get a copy of your book for sure, dude. Because I've I just you know like I saw that you had put it out. It's it's out this year, correct? It's brand new. It came new. out last year. Yeah, it came oh, okay. out in August of in last August. year. August of okay. 19, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, we just we just finished the uh, – we actually finished the audio book um, around Thanksgiving of last year. And we were going to put it out for Christmas, but it would it felt like it was rushing it. And I don't like to rush things. Yeah. Are you and Are I'm, you narrating the book? Yes. Yeah. I, uh, me I, I thought maybe it was going to be like like Tom Cruise or <laughs> or know, Forrest Whitaker. I was going to get uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Nice. Too, it was too angry. It was just too, <laughs> it was just too loud. You know, we kept, too many motherfuckers we, in it too. Probably it was way too many motherfuckers. And, you know, a lot of a lot of you know automation volume all that shit. So. You know, you know, it's funny. I'm drawing. I, I don't. I mean, you, you've done so well, but you were telling me about your felony and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, I, I, I was almost down your path, bro. I yeah. was almost there because I, uh, I was a little kid. I got up on the stage during lunch, and I kicked out uh, 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 Dougie Fresh, Lottie Dottie, up oh, on stage. Who came to party? Yeah, I did that, and then. <laughs> In uh, the same year, I caught the school on fire. Oh, <laughs> damn. You went a little tougher than blowing up mailboxes there, boy. <laughs> yeah, that was my science project. Oh, okay. I, so it wasn't like your goal. No, it wasn't my goal. <laughs> uh, okay. But now, it was it was pretty bad. Well, I mean, we used to blow up mailboxes with M80s and stuff, and it was, you know, I, we never got caught, though. Right, but no, I, uh, got, I definitely got snitched out. Yeah, and yeah, we wasn't it, using M80s. I want to be kind of clear real quick just to let you know where I was at blowing up mailboxes. We learned this shit from MacGyver. And nice. That's where I learned in my science project. Yo, there was that episode where he took the shotgun shells yes. and the light bulb and made the hand grenades. Yes. yes. Like, we were like, okay, we can do this. You know, can, we got some black powder, but we were too young to buy the black powder. <laughs> this is where the snitch comes in. The guy that we got to buy the black powder when it all came oh. out. No, see, and this is what I paper, did. Yeah, he. they went to him and they were like, hey, we've got record of you buying black powder. You don't even have a hunting license. So we're looking at you at this. And he was like, I bought the black powder for these young fuckers. It was these kids. Boom, yeah. We got busted. Now, uh, see, I did a MacGyver thing, too, because mine was I got uh, flash powder for, um, and I got uh, uh, copper wire. Nice. And I put the copper wire or co the flash powder over the outlet in my uh, in the math or in science class. And then I crossed it, uh, the copper wire and crossed the plug. And then oh, it was man. supposed to make us make a star, it's supposed to make like a flash yeah. as a distraction. It was on MacGyver. He used it as a distraction <laughs> to, to, to lure the bad guys out. But I caught the inside of the wall on fire and it took out the wing. Nice. Bro. Good job. Man. Yeah, he yeah, does. Man, that's excellent. Yeah. That's excellent. more of like anarchist cookbook type shit. Right You're right. There, you know, I got you see, know? I got in trouble for having that book, man, as a kid. I did, bro. I did, too. I had a <laughs> copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. I, I, I love that because it said on the cover, it says, do not buy this book, steal it. 
and like and the reason and the reason behind that is because every time you bought someone bought that book your name went into the fucking like fbi Uh, you know like these guys are buying this crazy book that teaches you how to blow shit up with household products yeah Yeah, that's a good book it is it really is mine was in the form of a notebook it wasn't even a book it was like a binder and i bought it off of a guy a friend of mine's older brother it was like a real purchase you know yeah yeah like a photocopied you know yeah, yeah. way before ebay and way before all that cool <laughs> right before again before things got a lot easier yeah no doubt no man doubt. look i remember you remember gone like back in the day when we were trying to look for something like you know like oh i need to i need you know, whatever, say I need to go buy, find this cassette tape that I've been hunting for, you know, forever. And it's not at any stores. You couldn't fucking just look it up on the internet and go, I could order it from this guy. Look at that right there. Now you you got, you got to go, you had to go to the record shop, tell them I need to order this. And then like 13 days later, (laughs) that shit would come in. They would call you. You would go down, you pay $20 extra 14 (laughs) songs. All to get one record. Yep. You know, yep. there would be one record on the whole fucking album that you wanted. You'd have to buy the whole record. Yep. What happened? What happened to that shit, man? Well, like, what, what happened to the? That... We used to make copies of those albums and sell them out of our lockers at school. Yeah, or just on cassette know, like... tapes and be like, you know, you're making like how much is that? It's like it's eight bucks. Yeah, you make yeah. a mixtape. You know, yeah, yeah mixtapes. Mix yeah, I was just watching. Uh, you guys probably remember this movie, uh, Christian Slater, Pump Up the Volume. Oh hell yeah, mm-hmm. dude! Man, uh, just watched it. It's one of my quarantine movies. <laughs> it made me want to make a mixtape. It actually, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. It made me want to take my podcast setup, yeah, and turn it in, turn it into a new online radio station. Hell yeah, yeah. You know because i me and my wife, we've been doing podcasts now for a few months. And you know, I made the purchase to buy the uh, the the Rode Podcaster, yeah, uh, Pro, and I, I love it. We got a good setup. I was like, and she's like me. Me and her both, when we were kids, we're probably fucking siblings, and we don't know it. <laughs> um, we both did like so much of the same shit. We both would sit there with the radio and the cassette recorder. And sure. like dub the songs off the radio, and then take it and plug in the auxiliary mic, and like be your own radio DJ and yeah. mixtape. Like, bro, I'm so close to doing that right now with this free time. You know, man, just, why not? Why not? I yeah. got all the shit to do it. Well, fucking do it, dude. Look, it live. look, man. We like man, uh, I do. I do a lot of mixing and stuff, yeah. and, and DJ shit off the internet. I mean, in my free time, anyway. I mean, I, I'm always putting shit together, and it's it. You know, it does pass the time. It's fun to do, though, and I yeah. dig it. And you know, you get a good response of it. You know, and you know, I, I don't know. You, you might know, as well take advantage like, of it if you can. Like what we did. Oh, yeah. What we did is uh, recently we had. You know, when it, when all this shit started really hitting the fan uh, around St. Patrick's Day, we had everybody. All the parades were canceled, right? So what we did, mm-hmm. we decided to. I hit up all all the local bands that I book, like all the musicians and everybody I know out here. I tried to hit them up to get. A song so what we did we threw a we threw a music show together basically giving all these guys some props you know all the local guys that don't get no airplay so i'm like fuck right. it let's put it together and, and they loved it i mean everybody it was one of our 
best episodes because everybody was all digging on it. And we even did. Well, some, it was a little retarded though. But yeah, let's like, say it, we it, even it did good. some stupid voices like we were uh, leprechauns we, and shit in between. We, yeah, we were Louisiana leprechauns. That's hilarious. No, that's, so it was, it's something like that that you know that people tune into. You know, I mean, especially now, but even before this whole shit popped off, like you know, people were driving back and forth to work, listening to podcasts, and it's yeah. more like talk. It's more like talk radio. It's like opinionated talk radio. Everybody knows something about nothing and has an opinion about everything. And it's, un- and it's unedited, basically. Yeah, it's unedited. Like, I don't know if you've had a chance to check out the Smo Nose podcast. Not yet, not but, yet. I just, I, In fact, I just learned about you You having a podcast today. I didn't know that. I was like, holy shit, you know? Yeah, we've been, we've been just, you know, like not really pushing it, just kind of having fun with it and uh, – gives us something to do, you know, whenever yeah. we were home from being on the road, but still keeping, you know, content flowing and everything. Uh, but I really like doing podcasts. You know, I like, I like doing podcasts probably a little more than I like. Uh, well, I don't want to say than doing music, but uh, I like doing podcasts more than I like doing music videos. I hear you. I got you, you know, just because of the authenticity of a podcast versus the kind of fake ass shit of a music video. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, and I've just had to do a lot of music videos in my career. And it's like, what hey, do you, you mean they're to... fake? Well, you... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've seen real country girls, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've seen, you know. <clears throat> What was it? I just saw something oh, it hurts. today on Instagram. There's a new song, oh. uh, "Country Twerk." Yeah, the country. Oh, the twerk. country twerk. Yeah, and it's. I like, started that. Did you? <laughs> I think I did. I, I, I've been doing it for years. I don't know if anybody's been paying attention, but it's a uh, it's some new. You know, ever since the little Nas X guy popped it off and made yeah. it and opened up the gates, it's like every other day there's like a. A black guy and a white dude. It's like the black guy's rapping, the white dude singing. They put the black guy in the cowboy hat. The white dude looks like he just got off work. All the girls, <laughs> look like all the girls look like juniors in high school. And I'm like, who the fuck is letting these 17, 18 year old girls get half naked? Well, you know. I mean, you God, God bless America is all I got to say. Think about this, bud. Think about this. I know, I know you have daughters, but think about the when we were growing up, man, like the, the 80s hair metal videos and stuff oh, with those half-naked yeah, chicks bro. and stuff on it, bro. Just, like we just watched. But that was the thing then is all those women were old. They were like fucking at least 27. You know? Well, oh, yeah, I, I don't know about that now. Some of, the some of them. At, some of them. Some, some of them, maybe. Uh, we were just watching uh, – uh, poison. Uh, 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 Every rose has its thorn. Nice. video last night. You remember that? Shit? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like the opening. Check this out. Go watch it and get refreshed. The opening scene is like this twenty-six-year-old chick, like in panties, with she looked like she got slashes hair. And, yo, it's it's such a funny intro of a music video to watch today because. The lead singer of Poison, what was his name? Uh, Brett Michaels. Uh, Brett Michaels. Brett Michaels, yeah. He, you know, Brett Michaels' hair, uh, it looks like it belongs on the girl. The girl looked like she got on Slash's <laughs> hair from Guns N' Roses. She got her, she got panties on and her booty in the air. I, and me and my wife were watching it last night. 
And I'm like, yo, this right here was the motherfucking 80s. Yes, like, sir, dude. Yes. Right, yes. right there on the brink of the 90s where they were still wearing shit from mid-80s <laughs> at the end of the decade. It was just I, a funny time. And you know, it's, you know what's weird, too, is, like, if you ever go see any of these acts now, you know, these guys and stuff, and, like, and listen to them sing these songs about 16-year-old girls, and you're going, dude, you guys oh, are, like, y'all are, like, 60s, man. What are you doing <laughs> Well, that came out back in the 50s. I mean, they were talking about, like, uh, you know, uh, She's Only 16 yeah. and stuff like that. All those songs came out back then. I was like, well, she's these dudes are kind of old talking about that. Yeah. You got to be careful what you say today because you mm. don't know who you might be tomorrow. You know? That's right. Well, I got I to gotta ask you, since you brought up the music videos real quick, where are you getting some of those amazing cars? What, like which one? Uh, like the Rivy, the the Boattail Riviera. That, okay, had... so that was my car. I oh, that's that sweet, car. man. Uh, I recently sold it because I've I've tried to sell everything I own uh, and downsize my life so I can be a gypsy. Mm. But, uh, well, damn. <laughs> you get a Vardo. I, I bought I bought that Riviera out in uh, in Hollywood. Uh, it was a it was the was car that? from the from the movie Crank. Okay. Really? That was yeah. That was the movie car from the movie Crank. Wow, dude, that's fucking awesome. Always wanted it. As soon as I got a major record label deal and somebody wrote me a check, I went and bought it. Damn, dude, and, that uh, is fucking incredible. Which was not a smart thing to do, but I did own the car. <laughs> for, you know, I was like, yeah, let's just buy it and ship it home, and I did. And I was like, oh, that was weird. I'd never done that before. Uh, but I just recently sold the car and, you know, like the K5 Chevy, I had it mm -hmm. forever and, uh, sold it. I've sold everything. I, I'm literally down to, uh, some Pathfinder that was imported from Mexico because it's in <laughs> temperatures and Celsius. <laughs> and, uh, I'm just like, where the fuck did this car come from? I bought it from a Mexican car lot. So I know it's like been chopped and shipped over. And, and I got so I got that, and I got my bus. You know, I was gonna uh, ask I like about. Bus, I was gonna ask you about the bus. I said, you, you didn't sell the bus yet, man. Well, I sold the old bus, the bus that that I had on the TV show that. Uh, oh yeah, that we, had my face down the side. Yeah, I sold that bus, and I bought um, a 2000 International Harvester or International International. I was looking out at the field when I said International Harvester. <laughs> I bought an international bus. Uh, it's like a church bus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, uh, Is that green and white one? Out. Big blue and white. Blue, oh, blue and, and white. white. Blue and white yeah, yeah, blue and white. So, uh, you know, got it clean, you know, took all the seats out, got it kind of like a, like a motor home. And uh, me and my, my wife, quit. she quit working as a school teacher and uh, – she travels with me now when we were touring she she runs my merchandise uh nice. kind of like brand manager and merch manager and you know i got my i had i had my drummer who was also my tour manager but now he he went back to work for billy ray cyrus right before the crisis and then of course the crisis billy ray canceled his tour so right right so mm -hmm. now unfortunately my good friend who was my drummer and tour manager is also now out of a job so that fucking sucks. it's just uh, it's it's just going around like yeah, crazy it's, man it's, it's a fucking, big everybody's getting screwed 
Yeah, so me and my wife, uh, fortunately, you know, she she quit come to work for me, and so now we're just like off and to get we're we're already uh, seasoned on spending a lot of time together. So quarantine hadn't been that bad. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah we uh, had it was preparation. There was already preparation for it, so I don't have to kill the bitch. Yeah, <laughs> it's always helpful when you get along with your lady, you know. Yes, yeah. uh, she's my best friend. Absolutely, that's good. Yeah, she uh, and she's very sorry about us missing the last interview. We're gonna oh, put that on. No, that's okay. Look, it, shit happens. Look, I know you. Like I said, things get crazy, and with, when all this stuff happening, I figured something went wrong or something happened. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't on our side. You know, no, no. I think we ate mushrooms or something and just kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I need to, what I need to do is I need to come to your house. I was just say we need to go to that farm and hang out, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's not a bad place to be quarantined. You know? No, you got wide open country there. You got you're on the farm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting in the studio, which which isn't really the studio anymore. It's where we do the podcast, but. If you if you're familiar with my album covers, the shack behind my house, yes, mm-hmm. um, that's where I'm at right now, and I've got all the doors open. And I'm looking out, my hammocks blowing in the wind. It's just oh, cows. You know what? Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah. Wayne, why don't you tell them where you're quarantined? All right, right, now? All right I'm quarantined in my uh, my room here, my uh, my my lovely house, and uh, right next door. If when I open the window, there's a guy right next door cutting grass. And then if I uh, go outside, um, he's kind of sandwiched. Yeah, I'm sandwiched between between houses basically. And then um, right across, like I mean, two houses down, there's the meth heads that you know where one day will blow up our entire block. I think from from uh, <laughs> manufacturing meth um, across the street, uh, a friend of mine who is actually um, on um the the tv show gold rush his mother lives across the street and they're no better um and then down the road and, and down the road there's wow. a there's a catholic school right down the street so i'm sandwiched between jesus and the meth heads basically it's not a bad place to be it sounds like kentucky <laughs> i've been to kentucky i know it sounds like kentucky to me it's not a See, bad place terrible. man i hate that for you I, I could literally go outside and shoot machine guns in every direction and the only thing i'd hit is a cow that's awesome poor yeah. cow that's all no i got uh to don't, put the warning out there we do have the machine guns and, and don't say go. poor cow because you set one on fire once i did set a cow on fire by accident Man, come on, man! Y'all can't continue with these accidental fires. Well, that that one was by that one was by. I put I put. Uh, you know how you know certain times of year the flies get really bad around the cows. Oh yeah, you put okay. kerosene on them. Uh, a diesel fuel, kerosene, and something else, and I I put mixed it with aloe vera lotion, mm-hmm. and I rubbed it all over the cow to keep the flies off, but it got hot. And it got real hot. And this cow had a tendency of leaning up against the electric fence. And uh, he'd lean against the fence and it would touch the bathtub, which was the trough. And it sparked and it caught him up. And then we had to go out with a blanket and put the blanket on him and roll a cow set, around the ground. They set a cow on fire. See? Man. So it do, was, do you, you own cows or do you just randomly rub cows? <laughs> I, 
You know, now I just do it as a hobby, but back when I was a kid, I used to have cows. These are neighbors' cows. I just, you know, because my I, we had cows and my cousins had horses, and I used to get out in the field and ride on the cows. That hurts. That's insane. You know what? Whenever I was a kid, uh, and it's in my book, I, I loved cows. And we owned probably 12 cows on our farm. We had maybe like 10-acre farm whenever I was growing up. Yeah, uh, and we had cows. They had calves, and then my thing, I would go out there and butt heads with the calves. Yeah, that's what I would do. I'd go and, and yeah, because they're just like puppies. Yeah, just like dogs. I get out there on my hands and knees, and my parents thought it was fucking weird. So they filmed it. <laughs> they would film it with that same big ass camcorder that I was doing the music videos <laughs> in my room. All this shit took place like at a real stand by me moment in my life. You know, but all that kid shit, like shooting snakes on the creek, button heads mm. with the cows, like this is all the ingredients for country rap. That that's scene, that's so, awesome, man. That's so good, dude. That's so awesome. Did you did you ever uh did you ever like dabble in other genres of music? No, not really. Just I always loved as soon as I was exposed to rap, which would have been through the movie Breaking, which nice. wasn't really rap, but more like disco pop. Yeah, yeah. it was like like disco breakdance music. Yeah. yeah, but what? But then it evolved into like East Coast rap, and then like you know, it was it was a very like it was an East Coast thing for us. Yeah, in Tennessee because of where we got it, and like Beastie Boys, yes. you know. Yeah, License to so, Ill. And then it was, you know, then then it just kind of came flooding in as much as we could, because I my brother was three years older than me, and I got whatever he got. So, you know, I was listening to everything three years earlier, and then my parents they just they weren't real strict about, you know, like they didn't really care what we listened to, what yeah. we watched. We just didn't really have a lot of rules for stuff like that. So we just did what we wanted to. And we were like, my brother was breakdancing and shit out on the back porch with the cardboard boxes and stuff. And I was <laughs> beatboxing and kind of fat boy and shit. And just, you know, like, and Vanilla Ice came out. And I was like, holy shit, Ice Ice, baby. You know, I was like, white people can really do this shit. Boys did it. Now Vanilla Ice. And then fucking Infama. Oh, Snow. Go Snow. Yeah. I like, forgot all I about that, be dude. One of these people, you know, I was like, this could be me. So I just loved, I loved that shit. And I was already into music. Like I was in the band. I played trumpet in the seventh grade. Nice. Now I played the drum line. And, and you didn't grade. really incorporate that into your, into your, your right, bag yeah. of tricks. I, I was, I was hoping you would, you know, start playing some trumpet. Well, have some trumpet. Yeah. Well, now, I, you know, I do play the harmonica on all my, most of my songs. If it has harmonica, that's me playing. Oh, yeah, okay. So you cool. do, but. But I mean, you're not doing any any uh, Dizzy Gillespie shit or anything <laughs> like that. Or... Not yet, not yet. It's probably something that I'm gonna ease into, and in my back <laughs> years, I'll probably just become some disgruntled ass old man that blows his trumpet at cows. What <laughs> feel ain't got no audience, just geese and cows. Just sitting on the porch, I mean, man, just just screaming at them and yeah. hitting. The I mean, door. you could you could get something with a bagpipe and have some guy in the background like holding a goose's neck and squeezing it like a bagpipe. That would be fucking cool man this sounds like a new movie it does <laughs> <laughs> or at least a new genre 
Right, right. I mean, look, <laughs> look. We can try something, man. Bagpipes, yeah. dude. So my my wife, she did a little research for me. She told me that you guys were really into heavy metal, and I was asking her, you know, just because. Uh, and this was after we had been watching, uh, like some hairband shit last yeah. night. Not that that's hand in hand, but I was like, what do people consider? uh heavy metal because like what the only like the hardest shit that i probably listen to is like tool you know okay well that's uh, good i like tool and i don't is that but i don't think that's considered is that heavy metal or Man, they, talking like screams? wayne wayne and i differ on this opinion we differ so, okay. we differ yeah like i'd love an educated uh tutorial on there this, are there are multiple multiple classifications of metal okay it's gotten to the point where it's literally ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Because yeah. they have hair metal, heavy metal. Um, they have like uh, a thing called grindcore. They have a thing called uh, groove metal, death metal, groove metal, black metal. Black metal. I mean, it's 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 insane. Like there's, there's so many. Um, but the thin line between for me for heavy metal and and rock and roll would be like. Like, like, say, Tool is more to me is more like a hard rock band, they, right? You know, they're more like a hard rock band. They, they, they're really Which technical. Hard rock is good. I like hard rock. They're really technical. They're very good. You know, I really like that band. But real to precise, me, real musical. Yes, like, yes. Uh, they're like a musician's band. You know what I mean? Yes, like, yeah. Like that's what I consider a Tool. Um, like metal bands, I would push more along the lines of bands like. Um, uh, let's see. I'm gonna throw out a band named Lamb of God or or uh, Slayer is definitely a metal band. Um, you know, Anthrax also. Oh yeah. Okay. But know. these are these are bands that you're throwing out. A lot of them. These these bands have been a, around for a, quite a long time. Like I'm I'm definitely a classic metal guy when it comes to things like uh, like Venom and Saxon and Black Sabbath and and things right. like that. Or right. Uh, um, but, uh, we both, uh, I don't know. I think, uh, F Wayne's gets more into the punk scene than I do, Yeah. but, um, uh, I, I was always, I was, <laughs> I was country raised on, uh, uh, oldies, uh, classic rock, uh, heavy metal and yeah. hip hop. Those are my things. And, uh, uh, so I have kind of a, a diverse music background when it comes to that. So it's, it it's weird. Similar. I was raised oldies, classic rock country hip-hop yeah my dad was very old school country like like uh yeah like yep. cash and all, all the outlaws That's you know, that was his thing. Jerry, jerry yep yeah yeah oh i like jerry yeah That's, my, he was always fun my father was yes. also the same way uh i was actually I, my dad was actually a hippie so i wow. was raised up my dad was what like we had a nine foot weed plant in my backyard growing up um, nice. yeah. And his band would actually play music in our living room. So as I was a little child, I would sit there and they would be playing and I'd be, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff I was influenced by mostly in my musical career was my father and his music. And then, you know, I trickled off by listening to stuff like the Beatles and stones and things like that, that they were listening to. But then I, like, I can remember the first albums that I bought on my own, like, I went and bought two cassettes. I had this mixed cassette called The Kings of Rap, which had 
you know, <laughs> which had like uh, the Fat Boys, Run DMC. Uh, I think the Beastie Boys were on it, and, uh, and a few the other LL Cool J. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was old school stuff, you know. I'm gonna knock uh, you out, probably. And then the no, no, it was prior to that. And then and then the um, the other cassette tape was Ride the Lightning by Metallica. So oh, yeah. so I had those two, you know, and then I and then I just started filtering in on my own styles, you know, like I I, I met a friend of mine like when, when we were in grade school, we were walking to school and we became friends and he was from New York. And he started telling me about the New York hardcore scene, you know, like the these these straight edge bands that didn't do drugs and, you know, didn't do anything and they were just like really cool bands and I was like, "Okay, that's cool." Then he started teaching me about, you know, listen to the Wu-Tang Clan too, you know? So I was like, I was, yeah. there's a go. So I was getting on that wavelength too. So that's where I started to, like, once I hit like 16, my, my, all I listened to was like the Wu-Tang Clan and New York Hardcore. So it was like, I went away from, you know, the Iron Maidens and the Metallicas and, and the, the, you know, I, I, I don't want to say like silly rap but you know like the fat boy guys and and that stuff and it went more along the lines of what the wu-tang was throwing out and you know i did that i did helter skelter was another rap group that i really liked you know back in the day and it was just that's to where where my you know um stuff went for quite a long time i mean i didn't yeah i didn't drink a sip of alcohol till i was 30 31 I know wow. he's so sheltered. I know, and that was wow. because because that was by choice. You know, that was by choice. Yeah. You know, so it was. That's it was pretty awesome. It was Congratulations! An, it, how, how was turning thirty two? It was. I got really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn! I had I had thirty three shots of Jägermeister that night. Oh man, yeah, I did something similar like that in Ebor City once. I know how that turned out for you. Yeah, it was good times. <laughs> yeah, good time, good time. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I did. I, I was really, <clears throat> I was uh, from the age of twelve until like thirty nine. I don't think I was sober. Nice. Um, like kind of like that whole period of my life. And yeah. Then at thirty nine, I had open heart surgery. And oh no. Yeah, I had a quadruple bypass. Damn, dude, I didn't know um, that. Yep, and I was I did three and a half years of sobriety. You know, quit drinking, quit smoking, quit eating red meat, quit eating pork. Lost a hundred pounds. Went from big smo to just smo. Uh, you know, recorded my first sober album that I'd ever done. You know, I mm. never I had never done music sober. I didn't know what really. I did not know what writing a song was like sober. I didn't know what recording sober, you know, I, because I had smoked pot since I was 12. Like it was not like it was normal, you know, uh, my parents were not okay with it. So I had to hide it of course as a kid, but like, you know, once I was on my own and doing my own shit, you know, I was always just, uh, especially like once I was a teenager, you know, I was just always high drinking, tripping. It was always something. So I never knew what like being creative, uh, sober was like. So at 39, really, you know, around, yeah, 39, I don't think I was 40 yet. Uh, it was what the, we, the people album, uh, the, we, the people album was the, yeah, 2015, 2016. I did, uh, my last album with Warner, which was We the People, and I did that entire record 
uh, wrote it, recorded it, and everything sober. Congratulations! What was the hardest? Yeah, what was the hardest part of that transition, though? Um, there wasn't really anything hard about it. I think the hardest part was like going from being uh, from not having open heart surgery to having open heart surgery and then having to rap like right that was the hardest thing was like learning how to breathe again and learning how to use my like uh to achieve my tone again and it was just it was like a real new time in my life because like i said i'd never been sober and all of a sudden you know i was sober as fuck right right (laughs) and was hurt you know and had taken Every, you know, I just started a divorce. Uh, the TV show was, uh, you know, I shut it down. Um, I was out on a fucking huge West Coast tour that I had just lost like $30,000 on. And like everything was just like in a real shitty place. And, yeah. you know, everybody and at a time when everybody was depending on me the most. Right. Uh, you know, I had a. Uh, nine employees on the road uh, seven piece band with a tour manager and a you know sound guy and a security bus driver management agents record labels all this shit you know and when you're doing uh you know one you know a million dollars a year a lot of people take a percentage of that right of course so, you know like all it's all of a sudden everything stopped you know so it was a very sobering moment even without being sober but then add being sober for the first time in your life since you were a child on top of that it was real fucking brand new yeah it's like did that, kicking did, the nuts over oh, and over again real quick yeah did that did that change something for you in a in a in a, in a on a on a deeper level for you maybe in a like a um like a realization of mortality type of thing or I mean, I think that I had just never really paid attention to a lot of stuff. I was just so laid back and, you know, so easy going with everything. It was just my character to be, you know, to be cool. And I I think I had just became where I was just kind of cool with everything, which had allowed the wrong people to be around me and for me to get myself into the wrong relationships and just, you know, I had let my guard down because it it was part of my brand to have to be very open armed. So uh-huh. I think it it made me realize that uh, that I didn't have to let just anybody around me. Um, you know, one of the first things that I realized is that I didn't have a lot of friends because as soon as I quit smoking weed, like they all left. I, Yo, I went from having like four to six people around me from when I woke up until I was ready to call it a night to it was a ghost town. Like, That's fucked up, up, man. That's fucked up. Nobody. Like, <clears throat> motherfuckers didn't even come and see me after I had my surgery. and Jesus come Christ. Home. Yeah, man. Like, motherfuckers that I had been fucking with for a long time, like, never came through. And which was cool because, you know, like I was dealing with some shit for the first time and I probably needed to be alone. Right. And, and it know, really kind of so, and, and it kind of puts you in perspective of who is really going to be there for you anyway. Yeah. You, you and, and one I was going to say one thing you I've, I've heard from listening to your songs and everything. Like I said, I haven't read your book yet, but uh, even your old stuff into your new stuff now, everything is about uh, 
it, it seems to me anyway, you're, you're, you really deal with, uh, there, there's family and friends and friends are also family. So when I'm, I'm assuming that's how we that, I things. mean, that's a, that's the way we feel as well. But, uh, when, when that, that changed in that, that instant, it must've still kind of, kind of stung a bit. Well, yeah, because I had a lot of people that had turned on me at that moment for a lot of different reasons. You know, I had to let, I had to, you know, for my band had to sit still. They didn't know if they were going to come back to work, you know, and I had turned most of them into co-stars on a TV show. So like not, they weren't just band members. Now they were characters that were a part of the brand. Right. You know, and like I come back from, I come back from that, you know, that surgery and everything was real different. And, you know, I was different. I was running a different ball game. Like you couldn't get high on the bus. Now you couldn't have weed on you. Uh, so, you know, I was, it was different. Well, you sure. had to be, you had to be, I mean, this yeah. is just what you got to do, man. Well, how's yeah, it, how's it changed now for you? I mean, to this, to like going into to like today, you've got, it's not, you, you've got someone good way around you right now. You've got your lady. I mean, are the the friends that you knew, are they coming back or are they? Uh... Um, I mean, you know, I kind of let, I kind of let everybody, I don't really hold a grudge and I'm like the real big believer in second chances and fourth chances and <laughs> yeah. sometimes sixth chances just sure. because. Glutton you know, for punishment I, I too. Have, I have been far from perfect for all of my life and if it wasn't for somebody giving me like a second chance, I wouldn't even be having this conversation now. So I like to believe in second chances and, you know, I, I don't hold a grudge to anybody and people that didn't, uh, see me then I've seen them since. And we've, we've hugged and we've, you know, we just let it go. It's just nothing worth holding on to. It was, it was really part of my journey. And, uh, you know, like that part, and, and people just people react different and right. it's not really, you know, they don't have to necessarily be reacting because of me. Like shit could have been real fucked up in their life at that time, too. And maybe that's why they didn't make it over to see me. Yeah. You know, but whatever it was like, you just you learn from from all of it. Not, not to just don't hold on to it. If it doesn't feel good, you got to let it go. Yes. If it feels, if it feels good, keep it close and make it feel better. So, well, well to me, this sounds like another album you've got coming. I think so. Somewhere inside of you right now, because you, you had mentioned earlier when we first started talking about it, about thinking, you know, there was a time where you were thinking about retiring and stuff. I don't know if that's this time. Cause you, you well, seem to have a lot more to say. Yeah. It's probably not so much. And, and I don't think I'll ever stop writing or recording or, you know, probably even putting music out. It's more of less like, it's like uh, deciding to quit playing NFL doesn't mean that you still can't throw football in the backyard. I get you. You know, like, I just don't really like the music industry. And mm. there's a lot of the, like, a lot of players out here that I don't necessarily agree with how they play the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't really have to get on the same field as them and throw the ball with them, you know. Right. Uh, it's like it's 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 like they're, it's not the same game anymore. It's they right. created a completely different type of game. And it's like you, you're kind of left in that limbo spot right now when it comes to whether they like throw it to your court. Like you want to play ours or you want to still try to play yours, you know. I'll tell and, you exactly. 
the, the exact difference is it's like actual it's like growing up playing actual football and then today they want to play the same game but they want to do it on playstation right yeah, yeah it's yeah, like yeah. and you're like yo no we get in the grass and throw the ball and hit each other and all that and they're like no no, no. we sit on the couch and use a remote that's how we get it <laughs> and you're like and you're like no nah, i think i'm just not gonna play i'm gonna go fishing and do some other shit because Y'all fucked the whole game up, and it's not even a game anymore. It's That's just not the same. button pushing. It's yeah. not the same, man. I used to stand out on the fucking streets of Second Avenue, Nashville, and either sell my CDs for what somebody would give it to me for, or mm-hmm. I would give, or I'd give it away, and it would have my my telephone number, my MySpace, MySpace. address on it, and my email and everything, and like. People don't know what it's like to go out and build a grassroots brand yep. and a fucking, you know, a real following anymore. See, that, like, that type I of mean, stuff is a real hustle. They're yeah, not yeah, hustling man. like they used to anymore. Ain't no hustlers out here. They're all Instagram posers and fucking make-believe people that use some marketing ploy or they learn how to fucking hustle an algorithm or, you know, <laughs> like, it's just, it's like... It's like fucking, it's like a tea party. And, and, yeah. You know, I don't want to come sit at your fucking tea party table. I'd rather yeah. go do something else. I got shit to do. Yeah, man. So, <laughs> you know, like, as far as, like, retiring, that's what I mean. Like, you know, and I've got just, I got bigger things in mind. You know, I really, like I said, I really like podcasting. I really like. Sure. Hey, man, look, if you ever need any kind of help with it, we've been doing this for like nine years. So if you have any questions, feel free to ask, dude. Absolutely. I will, because I'm I'm brand new to it. And, you know, a lot of the thing is, is like I just do this stuff because I still like production. Yeah. And I, I still like to, you know do something creative with my time. I think that's, and, that's how we started. Yeah, and it's kind of therapeutic to just kind of get your feelings off your chest yeah. and put your opinion out there and fucking talk about it. And a lot of people give a fuck to listen, yep. you know, for whatever reason. And I like the idea of, you know, like the road podcaster. It's I can hook my phone up to it, Bluetooth. I can take phone calls. And fucking have special guests and all this shit. So like, I I really like the idea of that, and I can do it all from right here on my farm and never have to leave. So <laughs> exactly, man, exactly. You know, uh, like like I was explaining the view earlier, I don't really want to change that too much. Yeah, no, man, don't. I mean, man. It's, you know, stay. I mean, it's, I wish in in a way I've 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 mentioned it a few times to my wife and everything, saying about. And I'd like to go back up to the mountains, or I'd like to go back to the country, because right now I'm we're we're on an island, which is nice, I guess, but um, I, I I don't like I don't like the beach. Right. Yeah. So if, if, once you get tired of that, then you're kind of fucked on an island. Pretty yeah, much. So I don't <laughs> like sand. You know, I don't. I don't like, like sand. sand. I don't. I get like sand, sand in places. It's awful. Yeah, there's there's some things about sand that I could be like, yeah, fuck that. I don't want it ever in my life. So if I was on an island. Which an island doesn't sound bad until you got sand in your ass for like a That's right. solid month. And, like, <laughs> and then you got to walk fast, and all of a sudden you're making glass. What the fuck's yeah, that about? I don't like anything about that. But yeah. and the, the thing is, is like at this moment and for the foreseeable future, we don't know when the fuck we're going to be able to go back to exactly. normal life. You exactly. Know, so for the time being, I don't have an option about planning out my summer tour. I'm having to take all of my spring dates 
and reschedule them for 2021 and just eat the fucking dates. You know, yeah. I mean, if we don't go back to work by, you know, June, July, we're talking about, you know, over a hundred thousand dollars that we're just not going to be able to make That's exactly like, yeah. like we're used to. And I don't know what kind of plan there is for the fucking American rapper in the stimulus, you know, in, in the stimulus package. package. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know what uh, what kind of thing that, you know, they're talking about gig employees. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. They're going to take care of musicians. No, they're talking about Uber drivers and shit. I'm like, well, what about? I didn't understand like, that. Yeah. You, know, it's you like, shut down the bars and the restaurant. You took away our job site the first thing. So I don't, you know, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Now, exactly. what I heard. Now, this is just something I heard. I don't know how, how much is this in the works or how much of it is true or whatnot. But. Uh, when I was up in, in, in up in Pittsburgh, uh, I just came back from Pittsburgh not too long ago. Um, they had a thing, and they were talking on their local news about, and it was just a, a little blurb on their local news about uh, somebody somebody huge in the music industry getting a, together with other major players in the music industry, and uh, they started a thing um, uh, for um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but with uh, uh, people who work in uh, the service industry that can't work. Right. So now they've got this whole thing that they, they're, they're like paying the service industry people, but the music industry is also talking about uh, basically you sign up for this thing and then the, I'm sure it's fucking pennies. Don't get me wrong, but uh, they're going to try to get some sort of, if you've been in the music scene and on a label or yeah. doing your own thing, they're going to try to get some sort of money together but I don't know how that's going to work because they, they interviewed a couple local bands and they, they interviewed some other people, but uh, man, it, but when, when music and, and that type of uh, work is, is your life, man, uh, I, don't, I don't know where that, where that falls. Well, I mean, luckily in my contract, I'm covered with that shit. Like, you know, if an act of God comes in and force majeure, you know, type stuff, right. you know, which I'm not going to screw anybody out of money, but, you know, all of these buyers, they're like, hey, can we reschedule? And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's a that's a later date that I can't do another gig on. So, right. like, do I keep your deposit and then you book it again and you do another deposit or do I just eat the fucking money and eat another date on top of that? Right. You know, like it's just a weird place. And, you know, at, at the same time, I don't really give a fuck because we're talking about human life versus rap. True. Right. Oh, 100 you know? percent. And and like I'm going to be all right. I'm a vegan. I've been a vegan for three months. Like I don't have to worry about going to the grocery store. I just eat grass. <laughs> 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 you know, but, the, yeah. but the finest grass that Tennessee can grow. That's right. You yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like you know, I'm I'll have a garden in a couple of months, and I'll be pretty sustainable here as far as when it comes to nutrition. So that's good. Like I'm I'm gonna be all right. But like you know, I had just started 2020, which I was you know, as you know, I talked about this being like my retirement year, right? Because it just mm -hmm. made, it made sense, and I had taking over doing my own booking. So I had already shook having a booking agent, which you know that put 10% back in my pocket. Off exactly. of every show that I book, now I'm not having to pay an agency. I manage myself. I don't have a, a manager anymore. So that's 
15% back in my pocket. Um, you know, I'm doing, I just took over because my drummer and tour manager was going back to work for Billy Ray. I just took over my tour management, which put probably about 5% back in my pocket. So 2020 was looking real fucking good for me. Right. And I had already booked like 25 shows Damn. at my minimum or more than my minimum booking rate, which was looking like a good fucking year for me. And now it's just all up in the air. So I'm just yeah. curious, you know, like, which I'm, I'm prepared to just eat it and move forward. But I'm, I'm just curious, like there's a lot of people that are being taken care of and that are being compensated. And a lot of people that I believe not only deserve to be and have earned to be, but should be, you know, like, they should be given a chunk of money to all these first responders before anybody oh, else, for sure. you, you know, yeah, anything, but like, you know, like all this, this money, this trillions of dollars that's going out. I just wonder, you know, like Bowen's going to be doing okay. I wonder how big Smo Inc's going to be doing. Right. Exactly. Are, are they going to give know? any of the, the little corporations, anything, you know? Yeah. Well, I know yeah. they're giving the big ones at least what fifty billion. Oh yeah, at least. I mean, you know, I've got con I got contracts that can prove all of the business that I had lined up, you know, that showed guaranteed money. So I mean, there if you're somebody, I guess that can prove, you know, if it comes down to that, uh, versus somebody that doesn't. But like I said in the beginning, contractually, I do my own contracts. So I make sure that you know. If a fucking virus pops off and shuts down the country, that I'm covered. That's good, man. Mm -hmm. That's really good. Well, I figure, yeah. I figure this. Our, 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 we're all about the same age. Our, our grandparents had to deal with the depression. Uh, our, our parents had to go through a big recession, and now we're doing the same thing. So yeah. I figure it's just our generation. It's our time. Yeah, it's our time. So you know, I th and I think there's a way to go about. <clears throat> there's, there's gonna be. At the finish line, people are either going to look at what, how you handled it or you're going to have to, everybody will eventually have to look at themselves and how they handled it. But I think it all comes down to how you handle yourself in the situation is what's going to matter at the finish line. Yep. You know? I think you're right. Like, I think you're absolutely who, right. Who tries to, uh, to benefit, you know, who tries to really capitalize and monetize during this time of like where fucking people are dying every fucking day by bigger and bigger numbers. Like, you know, I just, I, I been on Instagram a couple times and, and seeing like people that are, you know, they're doing this and doing that, you know, it just, it looks like people are trying to capitalize on a crisis. And I think it's, it's a time for you to really sit back and look at yourself and determine, you know, what really matters to you and how you're going to look at the finish line. Look, brother, I, I went through uh, Katrina, living in Louisiana, New Orleans area, and let me tell you, they capitalize on, on this shit all the time, man. This, my mom. Yeah, it's a whole business. Yeah, my poor mom, dude. Uh, <laughs> God rest her. She she got the shit into the deal, man. They were giving people like $100,000 for like uh, repairs on their houses and stuff, and uh -huh. that were people who didn't have damage my mom's house was basically lifted off of its foundation and turned and they wouldn't give her anything so she had to go and get like you know like 
special loans and she was in debt to her fucking eyeballs just to get a new house. You know, it oh. was, it was terrible. It was terrible. It was just a, you know, it just all depended on who you knew, you know? Yeah. And I'm afraid that we're going to deal with something like that. I mean, I'm, I, I hate to be so negative, but I'm almost certain that we're going to deal with something extremely terrible like that. That's going to reflect on, you know, our government and just humanity. Yep. I think I think that we're going to be tested real soon. And I agree. You know, and I, and, it, I, and I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it's not for the for the vaccine. You know what I mean? Like if it's a vaccine yeah. that's going to stop, well, you you can have it, but you got to pay like seven hundred dollars for it. No, they're they're not going to. I I don't think that's going to have. There'll be a fucking revolution. I, I I tell you that much at that point in time because it's well, this mean, is a global thing at this point. Yeah, but you, I I think that it's going to come whenever they. You try to force something on Americans like they have on the Italians, you know. Where they oh, yeah. Force. Yeah. Like, you, you go ahead and try to force quarantine on some proud fucking American. See what you get. Right. I know. Like it's it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be fucking hell. And that's <laughs> when it's all going to go to shit. Because you're going to have a fucking revolution. You're going to have yep. a whole bunch of, you know, and I'm I'm one of them. You're going to have a whole bunch of gun-toting, fucking stand their ground on their property, protect the ones they love, and and dare you to walk on their fucking land that will lay a motherfucker down as soon as he tries to come in and take something, you know. Sure. Your food, your water, or whatever, if it comes down to it. But, you know, I'm just curious of what they're going to try to do as far as these hot spots. We're all going to have to pay attention and learn what they you know what they do with new york what they do with washington right LA. The, only, the only thing i could foresee them doing or the only thing i could see doing that that i, I mean and i'm i'm probably way off base is uh at what, some sort some point in time uh because you've got so many people still traveling between the states i mean i, I like i said i live on this island here in north carolina uh, and most of this island is rental homes or second yeah. homes. So I got a ton of people down this way from New York, New Jersey, mm -hmm. up from Louisiana, all the hot spots. And they're yeah. like, "Well, we don't have to. We don't have to pay attention to the rules." I'm like, "Motherfucker, stay home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. you're bringing that shit That's here." As soon as President Trump got off or was heading out to that chopper, and he said, "Yeah, we may have to enforce a quarantine in New York. Probably not, but we may have to later today." It's like. How are you going to say probably not, but yeah, later today we're going <laughs> to. It's like, it's, it's, it's... <laughs> I can't, I can't. Look, I'm not a real political person. Nor I. I you know, like, I'm not really governed by this government anyway. I just happen to live in this country and, and, love, and love Americans. Uh, and, and I, I kind of love everybody, you know, but just the way I was raised, I just, I kind of love my family and yes um That's I, I just i can't really get behind any political thing right now it's just it's so it's such a corrupt fucking thing it's like it's it's too corrupt to be in charge of a virus yeah it is yeah absolutely it's, it's absolutely just way too fucking dirty to be in charge of so many's actual fucking life yeah so, there's a there's a song that it reminds me of. Actually, you brought that up. But I don't know if you're familiar with an older band called Stuck Mojo. Yes. They had a song called Crooked Figurehead, and it always that yeah, this, did. this whole. 
was, a, go, was a good it, fucking band too. It's a it's a really tricky time, you know, and uh, it's it's a it's a very interesting time. I'm I'm very excited to be alive right now, just to be experiencing something so strange so historical you know? it's historic and man. and and global changing for sure historic yeah. global i mean it's just not a one country thing we're talking global scale here yeah. there hasn't been something this massive on a global scale in in any in any format in and yeah. i can't tell you how long there yeah. hasn't been anything this massive on this address my daughter yeah my 17 year old daughter is the only one that's working right now like that's a major, you know, like here, just here at my house, like my daughter works at Taco Bell, mm-hmm. just, just got her very first job a week before they shut down the dining room. Jesus Christ. Wow. Well, congratulations went, on that. Yo, she went into the workforce for her first time in this crisis. So I have a 17 year old that's out there right now making sure that there's still food being served out of a drive through of a Taco Bell in a small town in Tennessee. And, you know, I worry about her every day having to fucking come sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. and be around people. And I'm like, you know, as we were right in the middle of teaching this, this 16 year old, you know, she, she'll be 17 this month, teaching this 16 year old how to be a, an, a responsible human. And it's like, now I got, I had to tell her the other day, like, yo, ain't nothing ever going to be the fucking same as it was. No. Like, right. I, can't, I can't stress that to you enough. Even if everybody got okay tomorrow, nothing is going to be the same. Everything's going to be different. Motherfuckers are never going to want to shake hands again. Nope. People are going to, every time a motherfucker coughs, everybody's going to look at them weird. What? Push I mean, and we, we have become a, a society of social distance way before this actually happened. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, thanks to people the internet. didn't, people social. weren't neighbors anymore. We didn't, yeah. you know, most people don't know the neighbors. So, I mean, but this is just going to uh, exacerbate that situation to, to a whole new level. Yeah, and I'm just, you know, I hope that it keeps its, it maintains its sanity and its structure, you know, for the sake of a lot of people's, a lot of innocent lives. And, of course. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to it, I've always been pretty much ready to die for the people that I love. So, same here. You know, it's like, it's like nothing's really changed. Yeah. You know, um, I'm going to keep, uh, I'm going to keep doing my part. Um, and maintaining uh, isolation as much as possible, uh, and and quarantining on my property, and you know keeping all of our our stuff uh, under control. I just you know I hope everybody else does the same. Oh, but yeah. I that's have, all we can hope for, man. I have a hard time believing that they would. <laughs> do too. Probably not, man. Well, yeah. dude, you know I, I hate to cut this off, man, but you know it, it's. It's about that time we uh, we um, close out the show, but okay. would you would you come back on? Oh, absolutely! We can talk anytime you guys want to. Hell yeah, dude! Let's do this again, yeah. man. Let's 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 set up something. And we'll do this again because, like I said, the the I'm sorry, I appreciated you coming on and everything. But when we first started, it got it was all screwed up, and something happened where the recording wasn't working right. So that means I only have partial of this 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 amazing fucking show so we're gonna have to read we're gonna do this again man we're gonna we're gonna get you yeah. on and we're gonna we're gonna start talking some more man you were awesome dude we appreciate you doing our show 
Seriously. Absolutely, man. All good. Anytime you guys want, just hit us up and we will we'd love to have another talk. Sweet, man. So Smo, thank you for coming on, dude. Like I said, we appreciate you doing this show. Um and I promise the next one will will have uh no uh audio problems. <laughs> hey. All good, man. I understand how production goes. I can't <laughs> wait. You guys just let me know. Till then, this is your boy Smo, and y'all are rocking with my kinfolk right here at Metalhead of God. Yes, indeed. So thank you, guys. I was your host, Wayne. I'm the rum guy. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to keep it, keep it metal! That's it.